I mean, it's kind of cute, right? Hello, welcome back to Kinda Cute. We're already at episode six, and if you're new here, as usual, welcome. I'm your host, Bailey Evan, and on the Kinda Cute podcast, we discuss articles from the cut and general pop culture tidbits with a little bit of legit shit, as I like to call it, thrown in. I also like to start with my updates from previous podcasts. And for this week, I would like to point out that Edward Innifel is actually the editor of British Vogue, which I didn't know last week when I was talking about the yachts and, you know, Oprah and Katy Perry and Orlando Bloom and all that. So the more you know. Uh, Let's just get into today's article, shall we? First article is called Epstein's Alleged Madam. Okay, my friend Virginia told me how to say this. Verge, this is the second time in a row you're getting called out, but I believe she said it's Ghislaine, and I'm sure her French accent is way better because she can speak French, but Ghislaine Maxwell has been found. So the article says, Ghislaine Maxwell, Jeffrey Epstein's alleged accomplice accused of helping recruit and groom dozens of underage girls for the billionaire pedophile has reportedly been located, and she's not far from New York City, where Epstein died by apparent suicide in his jail cell on August 10th. Maxwell, a former fixture in elite social circles, hasn't been seen publicly in three years, adding to media speculation that she could be living abroad. The Daily Mail reports that finally she's been located in the Massachusetts seaside town of Manchester-by-the-Sea. She's supposedly living with her boyfriend, Scott Borgerson, 43, a tech CEO who owns a company called Cargo Metrics, described as an investment management firm that specializes in analyzing data on global shipping. First off, I have to say Daily Mail coming through yet again with the breaking news. One time I told someone who lived in, I think, Ireland that I read the Daily Mail and he was like, oh, no, that's trash. But honestly, I continue to get my news from there and I think it's pretty great. If you ask me, they're reporting on some cutting edge stuff, because if you'll remember, Ghislaine is the one who allegedly would kind of go out and get the girls to bring back to Epstein. So she would go out and she'd be the one who would really make the sales pitch. Like, oh, you know, you just have to come give a massage. She was, she's British, so, you know, you just have to come give a little rub and then you'll get 200 pounds. I mean, dollars, like what is so easy? I'm sorry, my accent is horrible. I will never do that again. But that's allegedly what she did. I mean, it makes sense she's been in hiding. I can't believe that she hasn't been seen publicly in three years. Can you imagine going from a socialite like a la Tinsley Mortimer? Tinsley obviously loves the spotlight. That's why she had her moment as a socialite, page six, feuds with Olivia Palermo, and now she's on Real Housewives of New York. It's a very full circle moment, and I feel like the people who grow up wanting that spotlight, that doesn't go away. They still want that. They still feed off that. So you know, Gislen obviously knows something is up, and that's why she's in hiding. I just hope that even though Epstein died, that his accomplices in this don't go unnoticed. And it's unfortunate because I feel like if he had still been alive, it would have given some leverage to these accomplices, at least... Well, actually, it's probably for the better because they might have been able to get plea deals by giving information if Epstein had still been alive. But now I'm hoping they'll just actually be prosecuted. So it'll be really interesting to see the route this takes. It's also interesting that she chose 
a place in America and like the article said, so close to New York. I kind of envisioned her being on some French coastal town. I was not expecting her to be in Manchester by the sea in Massachusetts. I think for one of my upcoming episodes, we'll look more into this Scott Borgerson fellow. I mean, cargo metrics does he like cargo pants i'm not really into that name and that job sounds hella boring but i know that analyzing data on global shipping is a real thing that has to be done and who knows he's probably uh, a billionaire or using that company as a front for more nefarious reasons and maybe that's why they got along so well okay again you know i like to keep things light and fluffy if i talk about something dark i try to keep that just to one article that we discuss So this next one is something much lighter, as usual. What a smooth segue. So how to trick yourself into shopping less by Charlotte Cowles. I don't recognize your name, Charlotte. I don't think we've discussed one of your articles yet, so I'm excited to get into this. And a reader wrote in the following. I spend a lot of time on Instagram, partly because it's fun, but also for work. I'm in marketing, so I have to stay on top of social media for my job. The problem is that I'm also using it to shop and I need to rein it in. I like a lot of the stuff I buy, but I know I don't need it and I definitely can't afford it. Today I spent $200 on new shirts during a work meeting because I just happened to pick up my phone and it took about 30 seconds. How can I make myself stop? Well, damn, y'all, I have never related more. I can literally feel that dopamine hit when I buy something online. Like, it's so satisfying how easy it is, that anticipation of getting the item in the mail, envisioning it before it arrives, and all the while being able to pet my dog and peruse Instagram and have the Hills reboot on the background while I'm pressing the buy button. Honestly, it makes me be happy to be alive in 2019, but I also feel like I have to read it in. So I went into this article hoping that it would give me some legit tips that would actually help me because I'm just a sucker for a good aesthetic. And this article kind of goes into that because the problem with Instagram is it just makes things look so good. Like you start making things look like my mood board, my saved items on Instagram, and I'm going to hit that buy button because I have a vision. And I'm like, oh, that piece of like art by this quirky artist that I love would look so cute in my little you know, sidewall to the right of my bedroom. I plan it all out before I buy it. Or I also love getting jewelry off there. So I get down a black hole. And honestly, if there is one site I have an addiction to, it's definitely Instagram. I don't even want to know how much time I spend on Instagram a day. I refuse to look at that little thing that tells you because it's by far my most used app. And well, YouTube's probably like a close second because I spend a lot of time on there, but I like to think that's market research for my own YouTube channel. But let's be real. Honestly, that also makes me buy stuff. I am easily influenced. I like to think I'm an influencer, but hell to the no. I am easily influenced. I will buy shit if you tell me it's good. And you know, maybe I can get you guys to do the same because I do think I have good taste. But It's true. Like, it gets me every time. Psychologically, I know it, but I continue to do it anyways. So in this article, psychologist Adam Alter said the following. When you ask hardcore gamblers how they feel when they're sitting in front of a slot machine, they usually describe a feeling of being sedated and pain-free, almost floating. It's an effortlessness that isn't true about the rest of life, Alter says. Instagram's similar. It puts you in a calm state. The problem is most people can't get enough of it, so they ignore cues that it's time to move on to do something else and sit there for hours and hours. Again, (laughs) can relate. 
I'm telling you, I'm not kidding. I wasn't exaggerating about that dopamine. It's like, I feel it. It is like a feeling of calm. Like when you press that buy button, you're kind of like, ooh, acquired. And you, it's just so like soothing to know you can do that and like not leave the house looking like a hobo. Like I usually do the second I get home from work. It's dangerous. And I justify it so many reasons. I'll be like, oh, you know, I'm using my Ebates so I get money back. Or, oh, if I had gone in the actual store, I probably would have like picked stuff up at the register I didn't need. Or, well, I got free shipping, so, you know, it's it's fine. No, Bailey, it's not fine. Like, you have a problem, especially Amazon Prime. The ease and quickness of Amazon Prime, like, the quickness with it getting to my house, oh, wow. Like, I go ham. And I feel bad because I use my parents' Prime account, and they get the emails for every item I buy. And I know they think I have a problem, because I do. And a lot of times it's just because like one day I'm buying vitamins and the next day I'm buying like a different kind of vitamin. And so it looks like I'm buying something every day, which I am, but it's not high money item. They give a few tips and I'm telling you, I was amped for these tips. I'm like, I'll take it. Give me, hit me with your best shot. So they said, remove your credit info from your phone. They say because it's a pain to retype it in, you won't do it. Oh, but see, what they don't understand is that I have that puppy so well memorized in my head and my fingers. It's almost like muscle memory at this point that that's really not a barrier to me. Like I could take away all my caches and whatever in my phone, delete all my credit card. No, I would still put in that number. So, okay, tip number one is bogus. The second tip, it says target the time you are most likely to buy, like before bed and don't go on Instagram then. Uh, again, this wouldn't really work for me because I, uh, buy at all times of day. Like, it doesn't matter. Sometimes I want to buy right when I wake up in the morning. Sometimes I want to do it before I go to bed. Sometimes I want to do it at lunchtime. Sometimes I want to do it right when I get home from work. So I would love to crowdsource some actual real tips here. Uh, probably the answer is delete Instagram and practice a little bit of self-restraint and work on my need for instant gratification, which I've struggled with since I was a child. My mom can attest to that. So I think we have some deeper issues to work through. And until then, I will buy anything Instagram advertises to me. Oh, natural wine. They really get me on the natural wines. Woo. All right, next next article. Tinder-sponsored frat houses are the newest development in our dystopia by Bridget Reed. So first off, I'd like to note that this article in the cut is under the category of hell, H-E-L-L, which is fantastic and true. So to read you a little bit of this, it says, not only does Tinder have its own college version, Tinder U, which has helped make more than half of the company's customer base, 18 to 24 year olds, who should be running around embarrassing themselves without giving up their data, but both Tinder and feminist, feminist is in quotation marks, I should add, at Bumble are sponsoring parties, providing brand swag, and even getting fraternities to sign exclusive contracts. So event attendees will have to sign up for an app before they enter if they don't have it already. At the University of Texas, a poster hook outside one party featured a QR code and the cheerful threat, simply scan to enroll. All right, so to me, this was an inevitability. Like, I saw this coming from a mile away, and I'd like to walk you through a little bit of my history. And I'd also like to propose a, a theory, if you will. So I'm thinking that maybe Dartmouth College was so far of the head of the dating app game. And obviously, like back when I was in college, things like Match.com and Harmony, uh, eHarmony and Plenty of Fish, stuff like that existed. 
but I don't think it was something at the time that you really thought of younger people using. But at the end of the senior year, when you were graduating Dartmouth, there was this thing called last chances. And to this day, I don't know really how this worked or who ran this. I think it was one of the secret societies, like a bunch of frat douches, of course, who like went on to be bankers and finance bros. I mean, honestly, like the predictability of it is shocking. Uh, So they invented this system. And I think it was just kind of like almost like a survey monkey type thing. And what you would do is you would write in five names of people that you like wanted to hook up with during college, but didn't get the chance to. And then if it was a match and they put your name down as well, you would be matched together and you would be notified. And then at that point, you could send each other an email because we had this campus-wide email system where you could find people's address. It was kind of like our way of texting. It was called Blitz. So it made it really easy to like get in touch with people. You didn't need to like get people's phone numbers or whatever. So, I mean, I know a lot of friends who had success from this. I know a lot who end up having like all their matches and, you know, they they did what they could with it. And it kind of was a predecessor to the idea of Tinder and Bumble that like you only get matched or shown to the person when you have a mutual match. And honestly, like that wasn't something that eHarmony and Match.com were doing at the time. Uh, Conspiracy theory was Tinder stolen from last chances at Dartmouth because I don't I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I hadn't heard of other schools doing that kind of thing. And they would also have parties that were, there was this one party sponsored by Jack Wills, the clothing company. And to me, this was so, this is exactly what's going on today, just with a clothing company and seven dating app. And they would give out Jack Wills branded clothing. And I'm sure this stuff happened even more at, you know, large state schools. But for Dartmouth, it was kind of, again, groundbreaking at the time that a, company like that was going to sponsor a party 18 to 24 year olds have incredible influence and buying power so it's like duh of course companies are going to want to get into that and they do so many barbaric things anyways in fraternities I mean I'm a fan don't get me wrong like at least I loved it at my college but I know in SEC schools and stuff because that's where my siblings go that it's different. It's it's way more of an exclusive vibe. They don't let guys in who aren't in the fraternity. So taking it this one step further and making you download a business or I'm sorry, a business app. Oh my God, a dating app. You know, it's just, again, it's predictable. Is it hell? Maybe. Is it smart marketing? Hell yeah. Like props to Tinder and Bumble. Tinder you. I've also seen like they get these girls, like they get like hot college girls to like be their sponsors. I mean, it's literally genius. It's genius. It's disgusting, but it's genius. Like I'm constantly blown away by the marketing in this world because I'm just, I like wish someone could market me that well. Okay, so one of the last things I want to talk about today is not a cut article, even though I'm sure they discussed this, but, and you're probably sick of hearing about it by now because at this point I feel like everyone knows, but I wanted to comment on the Caitlin Carter and Miley Cyrus situation. And to give you a little background, Caitlin Carter used to be married to Brody Jenner, even though it's come out that they weren't even actually legally married, but for all intents and purposes, they were married. And they've been dating actually for a very long time. I want to say they've been together about seven years at this point. So they broke up at around the same time that Liam Hemsworth and Miley Cyrus announced their separation. And I think what a lot of people didn't realize is that actually Caitlin and Miley have known each other for years. And Brody and Liam were like surfing buddies, basically. And they kind of just ran in that whole rich kid Malibu crew, which I seem like seems to happen with all of these people. Like 
it's literally not six degrees with them. It's one degree. Like they're all connected somehow. Remember the other episode where I talked about how I actually met Caitlin because I met the cast of The Hills when I was on an elevator with them and Natasha Bedingfield got on. But when I very first got on the elevator, it was only Caitlin and Brody. So I actually had like a little mini conversation with them and she seems very like sweet. Like I don't like I didn't get much from her personality. She seems sweet. Fine. And and afterwards I had posted on my story. She even DM'd me and was like, can I have a copy of this picture? And I was like, okay, I mean, it's kind of like a low quality picture, but sure. Like I DM'd it to her. And at the time, I don't think anyone knew who Caitlyn Jenner, she was Caitlyn Jenner, but Caitlyn with a K <laughs> and not Caitlyn previously Bruce. Um, I don't think anyone knew who she was at that time. At the time, little did I know that she'd soon be the epicenter of a media shitstorm involving Miley. And the other weird just like universe thing about this is that the very next night, which I've also talked about when I went to the Men in Black premiere, I saw Liam Hemsworth. And I remember thinking it was like a little strange he wasn't with Miley. So I wonder if they've been kind of having problems for a while. Anyways, back to Miley and Caitlin. So Miley and Caitlin were vacationing together in Italy, and they were spotted making out while vacationing on a yacht. Now, my thoughts are that this is 100% just Miley being Miley. She's just having her little wild time. She's always liked to dabble in the girl pond. She's very fluid, very sexual, and I think she was just like kind of having fun with Caitlin. The fact that they've been friends for a while, I just literally think they were, you know, getting their jimmies out. I don't think this is a serious thing. I don't think they're going to be dating anytime soon. I would even bet that they'll probably both end up with men. But whatever, they're having their hot girl summer. I'm going to be very interested to see where this goes. But as of now, my bets are that Miley doesn't have feelings about this. They literally just view each other as good friends. I think they're going to remain close friends. I think this was just them like kind of goofing around and being drunk and having fun. I don't think this is our next relationship. I don't think they're going to be the next Ashley and Kara. And that is my thought on that. But I also find it interesting that Brody Jenner is allegedly dating Josie Canseco, who is the daughter of a sports star... Oh my gosh, I'm blanking on his name, guys. I'm much better at pop culture than sports stuff. But that famous Canseco guy. And she is gorgeous, stunning, but she's only 22 years old. And that like scuzz, that always just like a little scuzzy. Like at least Caitlyn was age appropriate. She was 30. Brody's 36. And I'm just like, ugh, ugh. And I think this is a total rebound situation, but she's super pretty. He clearly has a type. He loves his blondes. And... I also, fun fact, she's no stranger to the reality TV world because I used to watch her on this YouTube show called Summer Break, which I'm sure is still there. It was like sponsored by AT&T, so half of the episode was just like an AT&T ad, but it reminded me of Laguna Beach, so I would watch it and like cry that that's not the summer I was having as I was sitting and eating bonbons and watching Summer Break, but you know, what can you do? So give me your thoughts on the Caitlyn and Miley thing. I Even if you're sick about it, I'd love to know your thoughts. Those are mine. And lastly, we're talking about legit shit. This is one that hasn't been on the blog yet. I think I'm going to put it up soon because it's something I've been using for years, and it's called St. Oleo Cleansers. They are expensive. Uh, to get just a spray bottle of it, it's like 20 bucks. But my suggestion is to get the concentrate, which is 80, which I know sounds absurd. I was already recommending Aesop's soap on my blog, which is also absurdly expensive. But hear me out. 
It's $80, but you can get about 13 bottles of cleanser out of it. It smells so insanely good and it's all natural ingredients. It's not for something I feel scared about spraying around my dog or around me or around my food. Uh, it's just, I feel good using it. It's like using a fancy candle, but even better because you're using it to clean. And I use it for everything. Like I use it on my stove. I use it in my bathroom because I have a couple bottles of it. Highly, highly recommend. So I will have it linked in the show notes. Guys, I'm sorry. I feel like, again, I like to have like one drink before I record these. And tonight we had, I had a happy hour and a dinner with my friends, but I swear one drink is enough to make me slur these days. Like all my words, I just get so excited and they all go together. So this might not have been my best podcast, but we're still working. We're still improving. Thank you for listening to Kind of Cute. As usual, you can find me at baileyevan.com on YouTube at baileyevan and follow me on Instagram at baileyevan or at Kind of Cute Podcast. I would love it if you gave the podcast a review. Five stars would be faboosh. And I will see you in next week's episode. Bye.